Welcome to The Inner Game. I'm Gwen Garcelon, your host. Thanks for being here today. The Inner Game is about how we nurture and attend to our mind, body, spirit health, and how that allows us to play a bigger game and make a bigger contribution in the area of purpose that calls to us. And these are conversations with people who are committed to making an evolutionary difference with their lives from a place of balance and love and service. Today, I'm speaking with Mark Burroughs. Mark is the founder and owner of Pollinator Chocolate and the Cocoa Club in Carbondale. In addition to being a master chocolate maker, he's a beekeeper and a photographer. And I've known Mark for about 28 years, and I know him to be a weaver of community. So thanks so much for this conversation, Mark. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Hey. When I was when I was thinking about inviting you to have this um, conversation, you came to mind because you occurred to me as someone with a spiritual life. I knew you'd been involved in the Baha'i group that had gathered in the valley back in the 1990s. And through the years, I just witnessed your values of compassion, justice, serving others, Um. And I thought people who didn't know you would be really interested to hear about that part of you and how that expresses in your life. And it's really interesting that you kind of identify as an agnostic, um, which I think a lot of people with some deep spiritual values um, may. And, you know, is it accurate to say that, um, that that's mainly because you're a non-believer in religious dogma and kind of an institutionalized God, but but value non-religious spiritual experience and expression? Is that anywhere close? Yeah, it's, it's difficult to express. It's kind of like what the kids are doing now with the whole non-binary thing and gender fluid. I feel that way about my spiritual life. It changes constantly. Some days I'm much more spiritual prone and other days I'm not at all. It depends on what's in front of me and what I'm going through. And I'm sure that's probably true for a lot of people. I just don't, I don't have the desire to put a label on it. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a way to put a label on it because it changes so much. And I, I, I don't know how to put a label on it and what that label would be. I don't even know what that would be. <laughs> it's, yep. Yeah. I think that's I think we are in this time of kind of evolution of the human species and and it's very fluid but I think there are a lot of people who are who are probably in that same camp with you that have deeply held values of compassion and justice and that that there just aren't labels that exist for it. Yeah and to be clear, I, I'm not I'm not against labels. They just don't apply to me most of the time. If you choose to be Buddhist or Christian or Muslim or what have you, it's like that's that's fine. Yeah, go, go to town. Yeah, you know, I am some or all those things at any one time. Right. I. It's just I don't have a label for it. Sorry, yeah. they yeah. haven't been created yet, to my knowledge. Yep, I, I feel very similar. And I loved what you said that you don't have to be anything like have a label to be a good person. Correct. Correct. There's no, 
nobody has the lockdown on how to be good. I know plenty of atheists that are, are awesome human beings and work to do good things in the world. And same thing with all the other religions. The people are people, and they do good based on how they feel that they should. And I don't think that religion has a lock on being good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I should say uh, institutionalized religion that right. are more prevalent in the world. And and you also said that, and I believe this to be true, I'm sure there's plenty of research to, to actually verify it, that people, most people intrinsically want to do good, that it's like part of our human nature. Yeah. But we rarely talk about it. Yeah, people are doing good work in the world that are genuine. They don't talk about it. That's yeah. just, they just do it. Yeah. And I, I can think of several people off the top of my head immediately that they don't talk about what they do. If it comes up in conversations, they'll share what they're doing, but they don't come across as, oh, I'm doing this work because of X, Y, and Z. I, people want to be good because we know that if we treat other people well, they tend to treat us well. If we tend to treat people poorly, they're going to treat us poorly. So it behooves us to treat, to start that process by treating everybody as well as we can the, with whatever capacity we have. And that differs from person to person. If you're having a really horrible day, you don't have the capacity to be nice to people. It's just... That's just where your where your mind is at at the moment. But when you're having a really great day, it's easy to say hello to everybody and be nice to everybody and give out gifts and be complimentary. So that's where compassion comes in. And if somebody isn't being kind to you, the chances are something really horrible is going on in their life as far as they're concerned. It may be trivial to you, but for them it's important. And if you can have compassion for that, even if you don't know the story, then that helps them get out of their bad mood mm. because they see that somebody else can can share their compassion with them when they don't, I'm doing air quotes now, deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having that sort of just blanket approach to one another feels like like one of the most important things we can offer to one another. You were talking about also seeing other people. You know, I feel like that's something that we all long for is just to be seen and honored and acknowledged. And that feels something like that you do really well. And that happens at the Coco Club. And, um, and I've always seen that with you, just, you know, you just, you have a value of making sure other people feel seen. Yeah. At, at the Cocoa Club specifically, all of our baristas are trained from the beginning to greet and bid adieu to everybody that walks in and out of the door. It's important. Uh, it's why we've all seen the articles that... For prisoners who are thrown in solitary confinement for years are become very damaged because they're just literally thrown away and forgotten about. And a worse insult than just walking up and fighting somebody or insulting them is just to ignore them. That's devastating to people. Uh, 
because we're a social species and we have to have that acknowledgement, if not from a parent or a loved one, at least friends or somebody walking down the street. I was uh, told recently a good friend of mine uh, who uh, works six months out of the year in Tanzania that when you walk down the street of the one of the main cities, Arusha, uh, you greet everybody and everybody greets you. Like it's, it's insulting to them for you to not say anything. And it's difficult, especially coming from a Western mindset where we don't do that. Uh, I think Colorado is a little bit different. We do that way more so than uh, a lot of other states, but there it's everybody, which blew me away that that's just a societal norm that you greet everybody, whether you know them or not. And everybody you greet a little bit differently, the elders you greet with a little more respect. And it's it's very different. I've not experienced it yet, but it really, it's something that's stuck in my mind that that they recognize that immediately, that to be acknowledged is important and needs to be done on a daily, if not momentary basis. And I think we would all be much better off if walking down the street, you said hi to everybody on the street, whether you knew them or not, or if you liked them. Like, what a way to change somebody's mindset of that they think that they don't like you than to have them say hello to you mm. all the time. Yeah. And to greet you. Boy, I mean, we really do need to be fostering connection everywhere. You know, it's what's, it's, I feel like it's something that has evolved in our culture that we are so isolated mm-hmm. and, and, and so disconnected from one another and from our communities. It's something we, we value and, and do fairly well here in Carbondale. But if, if this is closer to the leading edge, we still have a long way to go in building really honest, authentic connection. Yeah, it happens everywhere. You would think in the big cities that it would just be natural to want to get to know your neighbor and to be in that community because you feel if you know your neighbor, you're going to feel safer in your neighborhood. You know who they are, even if you diametrically oppose politically or religiously or whatever. It doesn't really matter as long as you know who they are chances are they're a good person, like a very high chance. Just because you disagree on something doesn't mean that you have to hate them or you don't can't talk to them. But we are, as a society, kind of trained, and we train ourselves, we train each other to separate ourselves from each other. So small towns like Carbondale are great because it's a small town, and it's really hard to not to get to know your neighbor. It's very calming and relaxing here. You don't feel quite as threatened as you would in, say, New York City, where your neighbors come and go, everybody's got their little block, and they have their little door, and they everything's blocked with triple deadbolts because there's a lot of fear there, and there's good reason to be that way. But out here, we experience that, too, with, uh, like, Missouri Heights. There's five-acre plots where there's a house on every plot. And I seriously doubt the vast majority of the people up there know their neighbors. Mm. Now, some do, I'm sure. Um, But it's not designed with the setback of the houses. And people feel very strongly about private property. So you don't go onto somebody else's property without being invited. 
but you don't have that opportunity to be invited because you can't get close enough to get to know them. So it's it goes back and forth. Uh, one of the first things I did when I moved uh, back to Carbondale, it's like uh, eight, ten years ago, because I keep bees in my front yard. Uh, I decided that I wanted to just take the bull by the horns because some people are very uh, particular about uh, many thousands of stinging insects uh, in their in their neighborhood. Right. So I I made a jar of honey and I took a loaf of bread to every to all of my neighbors uh, when I first moved in and said, "Hi, I'm new here. Uh, I have bees. Here's some honey." And asked them if it's okay if the bees are here. And every one of them were like, this is great. Thank you so much. And yeah, we love bees. But just to put that self out there mm. to, it was just an easy way to greet somebody yeah. because you're offering food, which is a universal greeting of thank you and hi, hello, I care about you. And asking permission. Like if one of them had an issue with it, even if one of them had an issue with it, they're like really allergic or their child is really allergic or there's just some fear going on there that opens up the door for conversation and education. Or maybe I just can't keep the bees there. Mm -hmm. I'd have to find another place for them because I need to care for my neighbors because I want them to care for me. Or other kind of problem solving that you could do together, which wouldn't happen if you didn't have some way to connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really beautiful example, Mark. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've just always loved about you is that you, like I said, you are a weaver of community. You you took the Mother's Day photos as a photographer for so long. I remember getting mine taken with you. And um, yeah, those are fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to I want to talk a couple more memories, but I just wanted to say really quickly for those joining, this is Gwen Garcelon, and you're listening to the Inner Game on KDNK, and I'm talking with Mark Burroughs, who's the founder of Pollinator Chocolate, and we're talking about spirituality and community and how we express ourselves and connect more deeply. And one thing I've always loved um, about what you do is SantaCon. And I and I wonder if that grew out of your Burning Man experience, um, because I know you were involved in Burning Man for ten years or so, and that was probably a really beautiful, yeah, spiritual that's fun. experience. <laughs> Burning Man is fun. It's yeah. a lot of community out there. Yeah, and you and have to get to know your neighbors there. You just, it's a harsh environment. You're camping in the desert with. Yeah, you have to bring everything you need to survive in the in the desert for a week, with the exception of uh, porta potties. They supply those and ice. You can buy ice there because there's a lot of medical conditions that require medicine that stays refrigerated. Mm. So they they offer those two things. <coughs> <coughs> Thank you. If you um, and I didn't realize that um, that. Burning Man really started as a family event, and that Kidsville was such a big part of it. I don't know that a, that everybody would assume that. No, most news reports focus on the fire and the parties, mm. and uh, less so on the art. I, you can look at it many points of view. It depends on where you're coming from. You can view it as as great, huge party orgy or you can see it as 
uh, a community of artists getting together and sharing their art. And that's how I choose to see it is it's a community of artists coming together because that's what you see on every corner. Somebody's built something mm. weird, crazy, insane, and it's different every single year. Every corner you walk around, you can't see the whole place. It's impossible. It's too large. Yeah, uh, It's only there for a week. It's the second largest city in Nevada for a week. And there's just no way... It's it's difficult to even talk about it and be able to explain mm. it any in any sense that anyone can understand. What do you think have been some of the big contributions of Burning Man? I mean, I think of like the gift economy. Um, a lot of people didn't even know what that meant before Burning Man. Um, yeah, the gift economy it's it's not a new thing in the world, but they have made it uh, a key part of what they are part of the tenets of. Uh, gifting instead of bartering or selling. There's no selling of anything out there. Bartering happens, but it's on a very low scale. Uh, but it's mostly a gift economy. If somebody needs something, then you feel free to give it to them. You don't have to, but it's gifting brings about a change of heart because gifting inherently means that when you pass something over to somebody else, there's no expectation of a return as opposed to bartering. Mm. Uh, if you're expecting a return, that's that sets up a transaction that's two-way. Whereas gifting, it's a one-way transaction, but then it is still a two-way because you get the gift of appreciation in return mm. or love or care or whatever happens to be in front of you at the time. And that is more important than having a physical object, coin versus coin. Uh, I think people need that. Mm -hmm. We, as a species, we need that connection. We need that care and concern, especially if it comes from a stranger. That's, that's important to people uh, because it doesn't happen that often. We have to be introduced and then Interaction happens from there, but to have a total stranger walk up to you and gift you something just out of the goodness of their heart is kind of mind-blowing, especially when, and this is where a lot of spirituality comes into play of, it may have been that one thing you needed, but you didn't have, and somebody just handed it to you. It's like that weird, how do they know? Of course <laughs> they didn't know. It's like... Who's guiding the hand of that person mm -hmm. to get that thing that you needed into your hand? You know, be it whatever, a hammer or a nail so you can finish building your, your shade structure or a bit of food because you're hungry right then and there. Somebody handed you an orange like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I needed. And that happens all the time out mm -hmm. there. It's a hourly, minute-by-minute minute occurrence. You're constantly interacting with people, and that in turn makes you want to give back as well. Yeah, like somebody was so generous with you, you're like so touched that even if you can't do anything right then or you're not going to do it with that person, that the next person you see, you're going to find out what they need maybe. Yeah, like the sure pay it forward it. culture. Yes. You know, yes. when you're touched and opened, you naturally want to pass that on to others. Yeah. That is such a beautiful piece of that. Some advice I give to uh, 
most of the burners that people that will be attending Burning Man is for your first year that you go, just go and show up and experience it. Don't have any expectations. Just go and experience it. If it works for you, it's great. If it doesn't, great. You'll not go again. But if it did touch you, I don't even have to say it, but you're going to, you may not be able to give back that year, but you're going to come back next year and you're going to find a way to give back. Maybe you saw something that was needed, mm. like maybe there's hammer camp and you're going to bring a box of hammers because you realize everybody needs hammers all of a sudden. <laughs> I, it's just weird, random stuff like that, that you happen to notice that speaks to you that then you can hand out and change somebody else's life. Beautiful. For the better. Something I always love to ask my guests is what's a growth edge for you right now? Like what's something you're working on in yourself that, that you actually think, you know, you see making a difference in your business and your family? I don't know. Um, I'm so busy making chocolate and finding new and clever ways to get people in the door. Mm. And, you know, it's a business. I have to make money to keep it going. I have employees to pay in taxes and insurance and rents and all the things. So I have to stay ahead of that. I don't know. I, I think I'm a little too deep in the whole keep it a going thing to even answer that question. Yeah, and it could be that, you know, you've you've been doing all this stuff just naturally for so long. Like I think of the, you know, having the drag events at your place and just opening people's eyes to what that can be, how people express themselves and making a space for that and having the, having the wherewithal to do that and not, you know, not be concerned with what people are going to think or whatever. Yeah, I have space. I want to do something with it. I don't want to sit there and be vacant. We can do, if anybody has an idea, bring it to me and we'll mm -hmm. see if we can make it work. I want to help facilitate. I'm not going to do it for you, but I will facilitate at the very least by opening the doors and having a space for you to do your event, your party, whatever it may be that makes you happy. If you could encourage other local business owners to do one thing to benefit the community, what might that be? Oh, that's... There could be so many answers here. And it doesn't have to be the ultimate answer, just Yeah, that's what I'm looking something. for is the ultimate answer. <laughs> yeah, with, with the, my first thought is get to know your business neighbors mm. and share and collaborate. I think we all do better on a collaborative scale of helping each other business-wise. Mm. Uh, which is hard. I've reached out to a few businesses around and... They've all been great, and everybody's supportive, and they want to do it, but we're honestly so busy, it's hard to actually make it happen. Uh, we get so focused and so driven on the bottom line and just making sure the doors can stay open that it makes it really hard to collaborate because mm -hmm. that takes time. Mm -hmm. You have to go meet them and then think of an idea like, oh, I want to do this. Um, I've talked to White River Books, like, well, maybe we should come in and you can set up on the big table and you can sell some of your books here and get you out to people that maybe don't even know you exist. And mm -hmm. you know, we have yet to do that. Mm. It's an idea. Maybe yeah. it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But I like, again, I have a space. Yeah. And it's a different space than the others in town. So maybe if that can be helpful in making your business a little bit better or at least more known, 
getting it out there, getting the word out there, you know, bring it on. Mm, beautiful. I love that. It feels like the, uh, the word of the day is connection. And man, if that's not the greatest spiritual value is just to connect to each other, connect to your heart, connect to your community, create connection. You know, that's the beautiful thing about this radio station, that it's all about connection. Yes. Hmm. So thank you for listening today. If you have a question for Mark or me, you can join the Facebook page at The Inner Game. We'd love to hear your feedback and ideas. And until next time, hmm, get out there and connect. Let people know you love them. Thank you, Gwen. Mountains are high, oceans great. Winds are restless, trees are patient. You, my child, are away. are crashing, rivers churning, planets twirling, stars ablaze, storms are raging, atoms whirling, and you my child. Child, far away.